0: Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. We are so glad you're here.
1: Job transitions, planned or not, are hard to navigate, period. Whether we decide to leave our job, make a career move, or we find ourselves without a job... The space between secure jobs is a mix of things. It's unprocessed fresh feelings, needs, anxieties, and wonderings about what are our next steps. That next steps part can feel like an overwhelming mountain. Where do we start? In this episode, I sat down with Keith McAllister, an executive recruiter based in New York and a good friend of Reboot. In the arc of his own career, He's arrived at his seat in recruiting out of a career in media and out of a love of people. After nearly a decade helping folks find their next career move, he's learned a thing or two about what it takes to be found, to be sought, and how to position yourself. How do you articulate who you are and what you do and what you've done? What do you need to know about working with recruiters? How are your interview skills? As if the mental stress of shifting jobs or needing to find a job wasn't enough, Keith helps us think about what's next in some clear ways that will help you in your job search and put yourself back out in the market. If you find yourself at a career crossroads or facing that overwhelming mountain of how to find your next role, we hope there are some good nuggets in this conversation for you. Enjoy.
0: Reboot Your Year is our invitation to you to pause and honor the transition into this new year. This simple yet powerful five-day course will guide you through this annual transition with grace and open you to the promise and hope of the year ahead. The course unfolds through daily emails, each with a koan to consider, and a guided journaling practice handcrafted by the Reboot team. Each day's practice takes less than 20 minutes to complete. We hope you'll enjoy this course so much you'll make it part of your annual practice. We've heard from many of you that you have, and you'll share it with teammates and colleagues as well. Learn how to reboot your year at reboot.io slash reboot new year.
1: Hello, Keith.
2: Hey, Allie. Nice to talk.
1: It's so nice to be here with you. I'm really glad that we decided to do this. I'd like to have you introduce yourself a little bit. Um, I'll just say this, and then you can fill in the gaps. I will say um, that you are a dear friend of Reboot, and whenever we get a client who's in a career transition um, and potentially looking for a new gig, we always think of you. Tell us tell us just a little bit about who you are and, and what you do as a little brief introduction.
2: Thank you for having me, and I'm uh, grateful and uh, uh, appreciate that introduction. And uh, as you know, some of my favorite people in the world uh or at reboot so pleasure to be with you T- tell you about myself so, um let's see so i've had kind of three phases in my career uh you know born and raised child of, of journalists in new york city in grand village so i had no choice in the matter but i needed to be a journalist and so i did the traditional kind of small town newspapers and freelancing central america kind of stuff and then i uh, got my first real job uh, at a, a weekly newspaper chain outside of boston uh, and then found my way to CNN. And I was at CNN for you know nearly 20 years, 86 to through 2003. And I started entry-level, became a field producer, and ended up being managing editor and running the national news operation, which in those days was the world's largest TV news organization. And uh, very, very proud of that. And then after that, I was a CEO of two venture-backed technology companies that sold into the media business, uh, both of which were trying to reinvent aspects of the media business. Uh, Not terribly successfully, I would add. Uh, I also (laughs) worked for uh, one of my partners uh, uh, and ran Thomson Reuters uh, consumer media business for a number of years. And then in 2015, I became an executive recruiter. Uh, because I was looking for a phase of my career that combined a bunch of interests, both my interest in media and technology and and business, with what had become a, an interest around executive coaching. I'd had some fabulous executive coaches, including your own Jerry Colonna, who had been a board member of mine, investor of mine back in the day. And those executive coaching experiences have been super meaningful to me, and uh, I was just fascinated by all that. So I was looking to do something that was kind of a uh, uh, it was it was about that stuff. And I was having dinner one night with an old pal of mine who I had been a client at his search firm for 10 years. And, uh, you know, a long conversation over some really outstanding puna noir led to the idea of me joining him and becoming an executive recruiter. And seven years later, uh, it's been great.
1: Wow. What were some of the moments that you encountered uh, in your work transitions? I, you know, I imagine there were a lot in there.
2: There were a lot of yeah, there were. I've had kind of three phases to my life. Uh, you, all you have to do is look at my LinkedIn profile, and you either think it's brilliant or you know, kind of a recurring train wreck. A few I I am very grateful for all of it. Uh, you know, from field journalist to uh, news executive at big companies to uh, startup CEO and so forth. Uh, But, you know, big shifts from, you know, being a content guy to being a a business leader to uh, now being a a consultant. And along the way, I got, you know, fired twice in what, uh, you know, I would call regime changes. Uh, And, you know, the way I when I talk to uh, executives uh, who are in similar situations today, my line is that, you know, if you're not getting shot, pushed out the window, then you're not trying hard enough. so i had those experiences i had great experiences of you know success and so forth and anyway it all it's led up to today where uh you know i feel pretty confident being able to talk to people about these moments that happen in our career whether it's downside experiences or whether you just wake up one morning as i did you know in my journalism career and realize actually what i'd rather be doing was running a business or when I woke up one day running businesses, realizing what I really wanted to do was be more of a coach.
1: Well, I guess I wanted to just kind of highlight that uh, you of all people know about what it feels like to be uh, in that in-between space between between jobs or secure jobs, we shall say.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, personally, I've had all versions of that. And, and now that uh, you know, I've been at the top of the mountain, I've had the feeling of, I'm, you know, losing the battle, uh, but I don't quite know what's going on. And I've had the full on thrown out the window experience. And so it's, it's, uh, those it's helpful to have personally had those experiences. And now, you know, having been a recruiter for a while, and having been giving advice on these topics for a long time, I feel like I've got a little bit of a PhD and, and all that stuff.
1: Mm hmm. So the recruiting process is is not um it's not something that I think a lot of clients typically at least at least our our clients or that they reach out for or it's not always top of mind. Um and as I've just loosely begun to learn a, a little bit more about it, it's also one of those things where if I was to reach out to a recruiter, I would need to be a little organized in terms of you know who i am what i'm looking for what do people need to know you know if they find themselves uh either looking for their next role or needing like out of a sense of need needing to find their next role um and they decide to work with a recruiter like what how do they um get themselves ready or position themselves or what do they need to know
2: yeah i appreciate that question so one is just you know what's the business model right so I get hired by companies to find executives. Sometimes I get hired by companies to find board members. And so they are my client. And that's fairly straightforward. So when I'm meeting executives who are interested in my advice or help or just meeting me, it's in the chance that, A, I've got a project that is relevant to them, or B, that you know somewhere down the road, I'll have a project that's relevant to them. Or C, they're just looking for my advice and help about, you know, how to manage that moment in their career and how to do the thing that you just asked me about, Allie, which is, you know, how do I go to market? As a general rule of thumb, what I would tell people, executives, and this is increasingly true the more senior you are, is that recruiters are probably, you know, specifically responsible for the minority of the opportunities that will be real for you. In other words, there may be a recruiter involved, but probably the more important thing is is what your network is doing for you. And so to to think about the, the, what I advise people is, and this is a big topic, is we can talk about how to do this and how to break it down, but basically you are going to market just like you would be launching any kind of product in a commercial sense and understanding that you need to sell through channels uh, and you have to have a bunch of them operating at the same time, but you have to start with getting the product ready for market and the product is you and that's the hard part.
1: It's like trying to write your bio for your website, like really hard to do it for yourself.
2: That is, And the reason it's hard is because you're talking about yourself, right? And, um, and what's hard about that is it's the act of reduction. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to simplify your own story and make your network and make the recruiters out there in the world useful to you. And the only way to make them useful to you is to make you the product comprehensible and, and easy to act on.
1: Mm-hmm. And you have a framework around this, which um, it might be a good a good moment to dive into a little bit, because you've done this for so long, you kind of know uh what to work people through or what to guide them through so that they can start to um, start this process of refinement and whittling down the essence of you know what they're going for and who they are and what they're offering is to this market, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, let me explain that a little bit. So, you know, I started doing this years ago, right? When people would just call me for advice and I did I was started doing it so much that I turned it into a you know, basically kind of a 12-step program. And the idea is to help people simplify because when people think about their career futures or about a job search, it it's just a big blob to them, right? And it's just hard to imagine, right? What do I do first? And so the idea is to is to understand what the what the program is and what the sequence is. And so I developed this framework, which is super simple. and the And the fun thing is working with people, and when they begin to realize actually how simple it is. And I will tell you, Allie, that it doesn't. You know, people uh, need this advice, whether they're coming out a you know undergraduate or whether they're you know fifty eight years old coming out of their last CEO role. Um, everybody's got the same set of challenges, um, and so basically, the way I break it down is you have to do some work on yourself, uh, to understand, you know, what, where you want to be aiming. And we can talk about that. Uh, you have to do some work to understand how the market looks at you. And then you have to do a bunch of targeting, both, you know, in terms of opportunities and, and people or your network. Uh, and then you, you got to get prepared. And again, this is the same thing. If you're coming off a CEO gig, running a, Multi-billion-dollar company, or if you're, you know, coming out of graduate school, it's 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 the same basic uh, sets of things that needs to happen. So, your question, Allie, is what should you be prepared to do when you either are talking to someone in your network, or when you're actually interviewing for a job? And I think it's really important for everybody to keep in mind that this is a very human process. And so that blink reptile brain impression you make in the first 30 seconds, that's a very real thing. So you got to be ready for that moment, right? That's why rehearsing and role play, I mean, I do that with people. I used to do some media training after, and, and, you know, if you, uh, if you do role play on video and you do it three or four times and you get your reps down, that's all you need to do. So the thing, the thing to be prepared is you come in there, you sort of understand that it's a human thing. And. What you're really trying to do, particularly with networking, is you're trying to help your network contact help you. People want to help you. Um, they wouldn't be having coffee with you. They wouldn't be having a Zoom with you. They wouldn't have answered your last 20 emails over the last five years if they didn't want to help you, right? So h- how do you how do you help them help you and how do you judge that networking meeting a success? So success is that person then is introducing you to a few other people, right? It's, uh, you know, the rule of thumb is that every networking uh, meeting should produce two more networking contacts. And the way to make it a successful discussion is to be prepared and have talking points. And basically, the frame is something like I am an X who's done Y and wants to do Z. And you have to be ready for that because, particularly the Z part where you talk about what you want to do that's got to be tight. That's got to be 15 to 25 seconds. Otherwise people are going to be confused and they're, they're, they're not really going to know what to do next. And they need a very specific hook for them to be able to help you. So again, that, that goes to preparation and understanding the moment.
1: So can you give us an example of um, what a non-useful Z is in that little equation? Because coming up with what we want is really hard coming up with what we want as a human is, is really hard. Like that refinement, that articulation can be challenging. I think, especially for a lot of people who have maybe lost their jobs or find themselves in the panic of a career transition and they're like, I'll take anything.
2: Yeah. Well, the, the way to fix that is long before you get to the interview or long before you get to your networking meeting uh, is doing the work so that you can at least, you know, be your best self in the meeting, you know, you can't fix it in the meeting if you're, if you're in a panic, right? So one way of answering that question, Allie, is it, is it long before you get to that? You have to be ready for those moments, even if it's your uncle, right? Or your aunt or your cousin or your best friend, seriously, you have to be ready because you need to simplify the story for them and feel good about it such that they want to help you, right? And it's, it's just the nature of the game of, of human beings, you know, what they're looking for in order to, in order to be uh, supportive. And people want to do it. So it's about preparation is, is the answer. And then, you know, so if your question is, you know, how do I prepare the answer question about what I want to do? Again, two things. One is you don't actually have to want to do specifically the thing you're telling that person you want to do. You're just trying to make it easy for them to help you, right? You're not signing a contract or committing to anything by saying, you know what, I'd really like to be the marketing officer of a streaming platform, chief marketing officer of a streaming platform, right? Or something like that. All you're doing is creating a specific frame. So another, uh, you know, cliche, true cliche is you want to show and not tell, right? So when you're having these networking meetings, or if you're a job interview, have story, be specific about, you know, it's a job like this that does that, but it doesn't have to be exactly that, right? That's important. And, and just the other, the other thing that's really, really important in terms of any kind of discussion you're having with people is to be an interactive listener and don't do monologues. So maybe you and I ought to talk about, it. should we talk specifically about when a recruiter calls about how to have that first conversation?
1: I think so. Because I think that you just hit on something really important, which is that interpersonal, the interpersonal skills. I mean, listening, asking questions, talking about yourself in a clear, concise, confident way.
2: So if you're having a first interview with a recruiter, that's a screening call, right? And the recruiter, mm-hmm. the recruiter is not going to talk to you unless they think you're qualified for the project they're working on. Right, the, the, the reason they're taking that call or they've asked it to, to, for that meeting is because on paper they think you're qualified. So just know that. And so what they're trying to do in that first call is find out whether you're a good fit, the right style of person, confident, that kind of stuff. Because they don't know you, right? And so you're trying to, again, we've talked about this before, you try to, you try to meet their reptile brain need to feel confident about you so really important it's a moment to show a lot of eq and it's a moment to be prepared and a moment to show a lot of confidence and uh you know be an interactive listener don't do monologues Mm -hmm. um you know the recruiter has has taken the the call with you or has initiated the call with you because they think you're qualified on paper so you don't need to do a monologue or do a lot of exposition about yourself, that recruiter is going to have specific things that that they want to hear from you or learn about you. So, uh, you know, let the recruiter play at their own pace, but be ready for those moments when they ask you specific questions, such as, you know, what are you doing now? Why did you leave your last company? What are you looking to do in the future? You know, be ready for the, uh, I mean, this is actually one of the, the, if there was a single thing I would tell people in a job process, because to get this right, you have to do a bunch of other things, right. It's to basically be able to answer kind of the 10 basic questions that, that, that come up uh, in every interview section session, you know, Uh, and the the questions may be worded differently, but the essences are all the same. There's the, uh, the, uh, the who, uh, the what, and the how, if you will. So the who you know, what's on your resume in terms of titles and companies and, you know, tenures and stuff like that. Right. Where have you worked? What jobs did you have? Uh, what was your scope and scale uh, and that kind of stuff? The next category of questions, the, the, the what questions are what did you do in that job? Meaning you drove revenue from, you know, hundred million to a billion or you transformed the consumer experience or whatever you did. Right sold the company you those kinds of things and then the third bucket the the how part which is what separates the you know the average from the great recruiters is is having insight into how you did something right did you build consensus did you you know create a red team approach did you um focus on a particular board member the you know all that kind of stuff and so, to be successful in those kinds of conversations, right? You, you again, yeah, it's show don't tell, right? Tell stories about what you did. But if you think about yourself in that structure, and you basically anticipate the questions that fit into that, that structure, then you know that's that's what you need to know.
1: I have I have a, kind of a random question, but it's 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 top of mind. You know, how important is the LinkedIn profile and, and resume, and uh, especially when it comes you know to recruiters kind of finding you, but it also you know in the job search. and then also, like would you recommend that people get help in in putting that together?
2: Yeah, the answer is uh, yes, the, the LinkedIn profile and your resume are are pretty important, um, Very important. I work at pretty senior levels. And, and what we're looking for is a simplicity of story. Meaning, um you know where were you over what period of time what was your scope and scale and what did you do in the job um, and your LinkedIn profile should probably have about you know 50 to 75 percent of as much detail as your resume does and I'm talking about anybody from college graduate to kind of mid-market private equity CEO type right so a huge range of junior to senior there so as a rule of thumb, that's that's true, and because what what the LinkedIn profile does is, every recruiting firm, regardless of what they say, uses LinkedIn as a primary, if not the primary, database uh, for finding talent, and if they don't already know the talent. And so you're doing advanced search in LinkedIn's professional version, which is called LinkedIn Recruiter. And you're using that advanced search and you're using Boolean searches and various things to put together lists of candidates who meet your criteria. And your criteria are organized along things like uh, sector, function, brand, um, and so forth. And so, you know, your LinkedIn profile is important, uh, even if you're a pretty senior person, if you want to get noticed by an executive search firm. Uh, making sure that your story is clear and that the right language is in the profile so that it gets picked up by the full text uh, search tool inside of LinkedIn. First of all, the sort of subhead under your name and the summary section are opportunities. These are the things, right, if you looked at the, at the web page of LinkedIn, these are the things that appear above the fold and which you jump out right away at someone who's reading your profile for the first time, and they are your opportunity to explain yourself and differentiate yourself. And that subhead should be pretty carefully constructed. And the summary should be tight, you know. It shouldn't be six paragraphs. It should be maybe a paragraph and a half, maybe. And it needs to be a fairly tight statement about, you know, who you are and, and, you know, what you've done.
1: You know, some people are kind of repulsed by LinkedIn and, and some embrace it. And um, what I'm hearing here is, you know, it's it's worth embracing it, especially in these, in the, those career transition moments or job transition moments.
2: I, I mean, it's worth, it's worth the 90 minutes it'll take you to get it right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, God, it's only 90 minutes versus... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes the task feels daunting, especially if you're like, Oh my God, how do I, how do I talk about myself? Which is always like the, the hardest thing to suss out sometimes.
2: Yeah. Well that is, you know, that's a big topic there, Allie, which is, is getting some kind of perspective on yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause again, the hard thing about the job, it's hard enough to sort of think about who you are and what you want to do and how to get that into a tight couple sentences. Right. Mm-hmm. But, Trying to understand, and I know this is what you in the coaching world do a lot of—is trying to have people understand how the world sees them. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so, when people come to me for advice, I, you know, I'll do my program with people. But I strongly recommend that people—and this is, you know, how we have a relationship with Reboot. That they, they find a great executive coach because a great executive coach is going to do a psychometric on you, might do a 360 with your, you know, your network. And there's a lot of things you can do uh, to try to help somebody get feedback so that they can understand how the universe sees them. And that's both in terms of the subjective issues, also kind of what kind of executive they are, right? Because
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: you need to, you need to understand what the shorthand is going to be about you. From the market's perspective, to understand kind of where your best opportunity is and how to kind of sell yourself into that.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, we've known clients who have been in job transitions or who have had 360 degree reviews and then, you know, within a year or so, um, you know, moved on. And they've taken that 360 with them into you know, uh, these, these meetings with, you know, future, future employers or, or colleagues who are hiring and they're like, oh, here's my 360. If you want the full, you know, I'll just open up the whole curtain, right? Here you go. (laughs) And it's, and those have been like, uh, you know, very brave people, but also it's been, you know, insightful. And and sometimes it's, you know, when clients meet clients and they both have 360s, they just swap, right? (laughs) So they know like, who they are and, and who they'll be working with from, you know, from that level, which is which is always interesting.
2: No, I think, I think that's right. And, and yeah, it's interesting. It's, I just did a Hogan a uh, month or so ago and, it, you know, it's probably the sixth time, you know, in my career, varied portions of my career where I've had psychometrics done. And it's, it, yeah, I find it always to be valuable and it's the search industry is changing too. It's happening as search firms are starting to, because if you think about the history of the search, industry right in the beginning prior to linkedin and a bunch of things the value of a executive recruiter in the big firms was that they had the lists right they knew where the executives were and in the last 15 years that's obviously out the window and so there's this kind of evolving question of like where does a search firm add value and because candidate id isn't necessarily hard anymore right Mm -hmm. and a lot of companies have got good internal TA and executive recruiting functions and stuff like that. So, you know, the executive search firm, particularly the better folks, are really thinking about what is the search product. And a lot of folks are baking into the search product assessment and integration and onboarding and, and all that stuff because a lot of us kind of do it informally and a lot of us do it referring candidates and clients to, to coaches and to into firms like yours, Allie's, and so forth. But You know, it's, it's kind of, it's an interesting evolution because really search is best done when, uh, you know, you're a full partner with your client and you're, you're, everyone's invested in not just hiring somebody, but that person being success a year out, two years, five years out. Right.
1: Yeah. Kind of on that note, you know, um, you know, in many ways, I guess that kind of makes You know, your job as a bit of a guide or a Sherpa, you know, to ensure that not only is, is the person like well-prepared and the right person, but also is, is this the best fit for the company and and really being a, a a good matchmaker there?
2: A related issue is vetting, you know, Mm -hmm. um, which is not probably all that well understood in the candidate world. And it's not even all that well understood in the hiring side either. If, if recruiters are doing their job, um, particularly folks like me that work on the senior end, um, you're really making sure that that candidate uh, is going to be a good fit. And that, that, that doesn't mean just kind of, you know, sniffing out downside issues. Um, that means understanding how people operate and how they have operated.
1: What else do we need to talk about or what else should we touch on?
2: Well, you know, I think the thing I was talking about before that I, I hope I got across right was that when people whether they're in a job and they're thinking about their future or whether they're out of a job and transition and trying to work on their next thing, most people who don't have this down yet they look at they look at this whole thing and they're and they just don't know where to start right, yeah, and my advice. So I do, this is, this is specifically what I do coaching around is, you know, people will call me and ask me what to do. It's really a go to market process. And I think people just have to have to remember that, take some pressure off themselves and think about it as, you know, you are the product. You got to figure out how that product compares to other products. You got to figure out how to talk about it. Right. Um, And then you got to go out there and sell it. And just like you would in any kind of business, you got to think about what channels to sell through and so forth. So, you know, I try to take the mystery out of all this for people because, you know, if you're, whether you're 30 years old or 50 years old, um, it it can be quite daunting.
1: Yeah. 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 So true. And I mean, every stage of life has its own, um, uh, load of questions and anxieties that come with it, right. Whether you're 30 or you're 50 or you're 40. Um, or even kids in their twenties, you know, uh, clients that I've worked with, you know, who are contemplating leaving jobs. It's there's, there's a lot that comes up in those moments. Something just came to me, um, as you were talking and I was reflecting on, um, another conversation I was having with, uh, Sally Helgeson, who is an author and she's done a lot of research about women in leadership. But one of the things that she writes about in her, one of her latest books, How Women Rise, is that you should always be mindful of your career, not just trying to do your job well. And uh, of course, she says it better than I just kind of summarized there. But, um, you know, kind of in thinking about a lot of the things that you've been talking about here, I'm, I'm curious about like, when do we start building networks? Right. And when do we start paying attention to our LinkedIn page? And, you know, I'm I'm thinking of all these clients who suddenly find themselves like, oh crap, it's, I've been at this job for 10 years and, and now I need to do this. Like I'm, I'm now embarking on the job search again, but weighing in kind of Sally's wisdom, it's getting me thinking like, man, but we're building our networks you know, kind of like, I imagine like, you know, your three stage or three phase, you know, career, you know, career arc, you know, it's through the whole thing. Um, but I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, my hope for people is that they see network building as a opportunity and a gift. And mm-hmm. um, not everybody feels this way. I mean, there's, there's some people who just don't aren't interested, don't have a taste for it. And, you know, they're not particularly people, people, if you will. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, if, if you want to be a leader and if you want to run something and if you want to, you know, have a long run doing stuff and have some little bit of control as you move forward, although no one really has any control, right?
1: Right.
2: You know, your network is the most powerful thing you have Mm -hmm. and you know, it keeps you honest. It keeps you informed. Um, keeps you humble. It keeps you, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really important and it's a gift. And, and, you know, as a practical matter, there is no better way to 10 your career than by collecting people as, as you go along. What's the, what's the thing that uh, your clients say to you that most vexes them about job transitions?
1: Well, there's always the decision to leave, right? Um, this isn't working my body is stressed out I need to listen to my body I can't make this work any other way and then they decide to, to leave um, and they don't always know what's next. I don't know that this is vexing but it's it's most common mm-hmm. and then they decide to take they take, decide to take time to be like it's like they they need time to like, catch up with themselves somehow. Like they've been, you know, heads down on work for, for so many years, you know, that they finally hit the pause button in a big way to just really rest and gather themselves from all times and places. Right. And, and to see like, what's here for me right now and what do I want and where do I want to go and who do I want to work with? And and then how do I want to start that process? So it's interesting. I, I mean, I, I enjoy working with clients who are faced with the decision, like, should I stay? Should I go? How do I make this work? This is challenging. Um, but it's, it's tricky, too, because as soon as they're, they lose their job, they kind of lose uh, funding for the coaching. So then it's kind of like, you know, uh, you know, just kind of let go of the lifeline a little bit sometimes.
2: Yeah, I get I get the uh, I get the parallel question where people come to me and they say, um, you know, am I better off having a job during my job search or would I be better, you know, going clean sheet and spending all my time on it? And my answer to folks is that's actually not the right question. You know, I mean, the the question is actually what can you do? What are your options? Right. Can you afford it? So I tell people, don't worry about it. You know, either way you're going to be fine. You just have to be deliberate and kind of get to work.
1: Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely a big moment in people's lives. I think.
2: Oh, it's gigantic. I think one thing that recruiters can do a much better job of doing is understanding the stress levels that their candidates are operating under. I mean, we're kind right. of a, attu- we're, you know, we're actually fairly attuned to our client stress level because client management is, you know, part of almost your commercial activity, right? Your uh, Mm-hmm. You're always trying to be t- close to your client and help solve their problems and so forth. But uh, I think we often take for granted the emotional states of our uh, candidates. And I think um, recruiters can do it. And that's true at every level. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, public company CEOs, and I'm talking about VP of marketing at startups, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if I, if, I, if I wish for one thing in the industry, it's just we would all just be better at that. And I know at my firm we've tried, and I certainly try to be mindful of it. But, you you, you know, you lose the plot sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. and weird stuff happens. Like one thing I really spend a lot of time on is, is, you know, managing my clients' expectations. Because you think if you go through a process and people are engaged, you get to the end of it, you make them a job offer, they're going to say yes, right? Uh-huh. But, you know, that was a little bit more true prior to COVID. But uh, it's a very human factors thing, right? And people are under a lot of stress and just stuff happens. You know, shit happens. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've had candidates who have gotten in car accidents. I've had candidates who, uh, you know, dad got cancer. I right? had had, and this is like you get the job offer, you accept it verbally on a Friday, and then on Monday, you're calling me, the recruiter, and you're saying you can't do it for one of these reasons, right? I had a candidate. Mm-hmm who was supposed to relocate cities and his parents who lived down the block, you know, he accepted the job on a Friday and on Saturday, the elderly parents who lived around the corner drove to the house and begged him not to leave. Oh my <laughs> so, gosh. You know, <sighs> so you're, you know, we're talking about human beings here, right? So, you y- know, yeah. you can only hope that if you're running a good search process, that you're mindful of that. And, uh, trying to bake out some of the uncertainty by the end.
1: Yeah. In the end, uncertainty, Oh, it always wins. Doesn't it? (laughs) It always wins.
2: Well, it's a human factors situation as you know, better than anybody.
1: Yeah. Well, I just want to thank you for all of this. Um, It's been, it's been really awesome to kind of get uh, a lens into uh, what happens from your seat. Uh, on the other side of the the job search process or the recruiting process, and uh, I, I, I really hope that um, a lot of the insights here are are useful for folks, whether they decide to use a recruiter or not. I just know that you know at no matter what level you are, when you need to look for a job, like it it, it can feel daunting, so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to to bring you on and and, and have a conversation not only to share your loveliness with everybody, but you have some really wonderful insights, you know, uh, on this topic and uh, just kind of from the, the depth of your career. So thank you.
2: Well, I'm, I'm very grateful that you asked and I, I really enjoyed the conversation and um, hopefully uh, it's helpful for some people.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, Go to Reboot.io slash podcast to listen to all five seasons of our podcast conversations. And leave us a review on iTunes. That's the best way for other people to find and enjoy the show just as you have done. And don't forget to join our mailing list at Reboot.io slash sign up so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening.
1: How long till my soul gets in
2: reboot we believe that work doesn't have to destroy us work can be the way that we achieve our fullest selves and in doing so become more effective leaders colleagues and human beings if you're looking for support in unlocking the best way for you to lead and build your company reboot coaching may be the right fit for you whether you've stepped into a new leadership role your company is rapidly scaling you need help managing your board or are looking for support as you transition into the next stage of your life reboot coaching is here to help we know that holding a leadership seat can be isolating and lonely, but you don't have to go it alone. To learn more about Reboot Coaching, head to reboot.io coaching.